Who is your biggest enemy? Mm. Hmm. Myself. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. You're looking at him uh-huh. right now. Yes. That's what I'm saying as I'm speaking into the mirror. Mm. We are our war- what is the the phrase our own worst enemy, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just so mm. so true. And it's the way that we think, it's the way that we process things that can really get us in the weeds. There is a new book out, Escaping Enemy Mode, How Our Brains Unite or Divide Us. Jim Wilder and Ray Woolridge are the authors of this book. It's uh, it's new from Moody Publishers, Northfield Press. And uh, when I saw this and it came across my desk, I'm like, oh my goodness. Yeah, you know, it's this whole idea of enemy mode. The, the general idea is we, we see and experience others as enemies. It's kind of obvious. And if we live in this mode, it can poison all kinds of stuff. Yes. Relationships at the top of that list. It contributes to all kinds of things. So we've invited Ray to be with us to chat this morning about what this really means and kind of, I guess we're scratching the surface here. But there are some great takeaways for us. Uh, it's kind of a thick book here, but um, you know we're going to dive into some of the uh, the principles here, I think, that would be helpful for you. Uh, truth on the run here today. Hey, Ray, welcome to the conversation. How you doing? Doing really well, Kurt. Kate, good morning. Good Glad morning. to be with you. All right. Yeah. So, enemy mode. First of oh. all, give us the official yeah. definition. I've I've kind of I danced around it a little bit, but you can dive deeper. Well, it's a non-relational brain state where your brain convinces you that that person you're talking to is your enemy. And it could be a very simple form of enemy mode where you just your relational side of your brain is offline. Or we've all seen people who lose it and they go into what we call stupid enemy mode and they're thinking from the back and the bottom of their brain and it's like a fight for survival. Or it could be intelligently predatory where uh, you're maneuvering with great emotional intelligence to get an advantage. You're going for the win. So three, three modes of enemy mode, but they're all non-relational and there's also no attachment to the people who are in your way. It could be family in your way. It could be that Uber driver. It could be anybody. Is it because we tend to judge people on one event, one word that they said, one action they did, uh, and then we just uh, paint them with that brush all around? That's part of it. But, you know, it's probably before we even have a conscious thought. Hmm. We found in our research that uh, our brain, based on the way someone looks or if we've had previous interactions with them, will already judge whether they're friend or foe. And if we're not monitoring our connection with them before we say something or they say something, we could be going there. Hmm. Well, hmm. you know wow. what I call this? I call this fill-in-the-blank living or fill-in-the-blank thinking. Because it's like, okay, I am, I'm thinking that maybe you said this, and what you really meant was that. And then you start oh, to yeah. fill in the blanks, not knowing what the truth is. Mm-hmm. And then you create an enemy where there isn't one. You create a scenario that doesn't even exist in reality. Ray, that's just that's an awful way to live. It sure is. And, and, and when you've assumed something about the other person before you've ever spoken to them, and then they say that one word that you know, has hold that one opinion, you've already uh, labeled them. 
rather than making sure you quiet yourself, connect to them as a human being, and really listen to what they're saying. Uh, and you have to stay relational to do that. So is is there a lot of science behind this? I mean, do we create neurological pathways when we repeatedly think like this? Yeah, there, there, there truly is. And, and so back in the 1990s, Dr. Alan Shore of UCLA began uh, lecturing about his findings on the brain. And, for, and the decade of the brain was the first time we could actually scan a human brain in a living person and see what it was doing, what was lighting, what was firing together. And Shore built on the work of Dr. Bowlby from the UK on attachment theory. And how is it that people think and interact with one another? And so uh, there's a lot of science, we, and, and there's a lot of science in our book. Hmm. Now, there's gaps in the science, of course, too. There's things we don't know. Yeah. But there are some things we know pretty well. So how much is, you know, how, if we have these neurological pathways, I guess the question is, how can we change? Especially, we're coming at this as uh, believers, right? We, we have the power of the Holy Spirit that works within us. Nevertheless, we still have conscious choices. And yeah, the Apostle Paul, you know, whatever's true, noble, praiseworthy, et cetera, et cetera, think about these things. How do we change, I guess, is, is the big question. If, you know, if, if I recognize this pattern in myself, and I would imagine to one degree or another, all of us have been there or are camping out there, you know, is there hope for change? There really is. And, and one of the things, one of the discoveries for me as, as we wrote our, wrote our book was I had lived pretty non-relationally most of my life. Even though I served as a pastor in a couple of churches, even though I uh, was a military chaplain, it was usually all about my agenda. And uh, so if, you, if my agenda was teaching the Bible study or if my agenda was uh, having this meeting with a person, I was not connecting heart to heart with them. And so I'm, I'm on a journey to becoming more relational. And, it, and, and it's, I'd always had regular quiet times. I'd always read, read the Bible and had been very faithful in the spiritual practices. But I realized I was, I was not paying attention to what was going on in my own body. So if I'm in an interaction with you and you say something and all of a sudden I'm getting a little angry, I need to get ahead of that and, and ask myself, so why am I feeling so angry right now? Yeah. And can I quiet myself down and reconnect with you heart to heart before I open my big uh, my mouth and stick my foot in it. Does it also have to do with emotional intelligence? Emotional intelligence is very much part of it. Now, uh, knowing what your emotions are and what their emotions are is very important. Mm-hmm. This is uh, I told uh, I told you, Kate. This was going to be a deep dive yeah. uh, into this. Mm-hmm. It's there's there's a lot to it. In fact, uh, when we come back in just a few minutes, Ray is going to. I want to ask Ray about social media yeah. and how this uh, comes into play uh, with with all of this. And uh, I don't know. It's just I don't want to be like this. There, I can see this in myself sometimes, you know, and become very, you know, defensive when I should not be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think this, that is tough. That is the it's zeitgeist hard. right now. Yeah, being angry at it's an other angry people world. Who don't think the same way you think, and they can suck you into that. Yes, whirlwind. You know, other mm-hmm. people can suck you into that whirlwind, mm-hmm. and maybe something else we can talk about with Ray is, you know, the people we hang around with, and how if that's their mindset, 
Mm-hmm. The bad company corrupts good character in so many ways. Enemy mode, if you're just joining us, it's really damaging. It's, it's a brain state where a person sees and experiences others as adversaries, as enemies. Um, man, this is on steroids, Ray, when it comes to social media, isn't it? It's just such an angry place to be. It really is. And social media really amplifies what was already in the human psyche. And, and Jonathan Haidt in The Atlantic this, this year talked about how social media has made us stupider in the past 10 years. Yeah. And when Twitter enabled the, li- the share button or the retweet button back in the late uh, early uh, you know, 2009 or so, it got even worse. Mm. And uh, it was even more if you could like or dislike, retweet, it formed mobs on social media. And of course, communication of if it's just 148 characters, how are you going to have a conversation anyway? Of course. But but social media certainly has amplified what was already a human phenomenon. It sets a fire in our brains. You know, it's like uh, we jump to conclusions. That's another part of this. Do you think that we are offended too easily these days? I think that's definitely a case for some people. And, and, and what we're advocating for in our Escaping Enemy Mode book is stay relational. We're advocating notice when you're not connecting with the person around you and do what it takes to turn your relational brain back on. Yeah, I think that uh, uh, we've it, part of the the uh, social media and politics. I don't even want to go there, but I'll mention it on the fringe. Oh, there. on election yeah, day, how uh, appropriate! But you know, people have stopped humanizing each other. Yeah, that's exactly right. There, there, the, the brain is seeing that person as an enemy to defeat, and we don't just disagree on the issues. You're, you're evil, right? And, and. And uh, we, you need to be silenced. And, and of course, uh, we need to find a way to connect, even with people we disagree with. Jesus told us, love your enemies. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, and, and in our research, one of the things that we found was that uh, Christians know that, but they live in a state of denial. Do I have actual enemies or not? And uh, people say, no, I don't have any enemies because Jesus said, love your enemies. But if we all were honest, we realize we've got them. Yeah. And you know what? The, the enemies within the church are brothers and sisters in Christ. This, there's nothing new under the sun. It's been going on since the beginning of the church. Disagreements, um, arguments, breaches, if you will. And Jesus, in his high priestly prayer, was praying that we would be unified. And yet there are... So many divisions down through the centuries, you know, and it's been anything but that in some cases. They will know our love for him through our love for one another. And this is where we fall short. So this is not minor, but it's very discouraging, and it does the cause of the gospel uh, great harm when we are in enemy mode right here in our own camp. Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and you could see it, you know, let's say you're going to church this Sunday and there's that one person who you just can't stand being with and you see them and uh, you, you, uh, or you get a text or a phone call from somebody and, and uh, you don't want to talk to that person. You're having a mild enemy mode reaction before you even take up the call or respond to the text. 
And so our book offers some practical helps. First, you got to recognize it. Mm-hmm. And usually in my case, I, I, my body is telling me some things. I, my, heart, my heart rate's going up. My vision is narrowing. My, I'm breathing shallower. And I'm realizing, wait a minute, why am I feeling so anxious right now? Oh, I dread talking to that person. Well, why is that? Lord, help me. And, and, but all of this happens in a matter of a few seconds. Mm-hmm. What are some other signs for us to take note of? Well, avoidance is a, is a good sign. Uh, other, other signs that people, people will have a, a, something in the pit of their stomach. I mean, human bodies are also different. We all have different reactions. Um, but uh, if your skin is flushed, you know, if you're uh, feeling a little lightheaded, that could be an indicator that something is changing. And uh, I found that self-quieting is one of the best things I can do, even in a few seconds in a meeting or in public. If I just take some deep breaths and pause a little bit, makes a huge difference. Wow, mm-hmm. self-quieting. I like that phrase. Yes. Instructive. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like sometimes people uh, bring on this feeling of righteous indignation. Yeah. But it's maybe not so righteous. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. It, it could be related to other deeper issues uh, in their life. Um, I had an experience as soon after we moved here in traffic one day, uh, I didn't notice the fire truck crossing a cross street and I almost entered the intersection. So I slammed on the brakes, backed up a little bit. And then I noticed the lady beside me was screaming at me mm, nice. and, and I, ro- I rolled down my window, which I never do. I, I didn't know that lady. And she was screaming at me, and I've, I haven't been talked to that way since basic training in the army. <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> it was real bad. And she was in stupid enemy mode because I don't respect uh, uh, first responders. Well, actually, lady, I didn't see or hear them, but I do now, so that's why I backed up. Yeah, yeah. See there again, filling in the blank <laughs> can get you into that's trouble. Right. This a lot of this has to do with trusting others, those who've been hurt which would probably be all of us, you know, there again, we tend to just maybe, um, I don't know, avoidance, you know, and and just kind of, um, how do I put it? Well, I've been hurt so much, I'm just going to isolate myself, you know, I'm not going to really share with anybody, and you Mm -hmm. don't have deep relationships. And you can create in your own mind, as, as we're talking about here, enemies as well. But how do we get over that? That whole idea that I've never, I've been hurt so much, I've trusted people and they have hurt me, and they have become enemies, even though I was trying to be their friend, and it's happened over and over and over again. How do we get ourselves to a point where we say, wait a minute, this is not healthy, this is not good, I want to change. What do they do? Well, the first thing they need to do is recognize that they could be in a non-relational state of being. They, they could be living with their relational brain disengaged, as it were. Mm. And so they've just stopped looking for a, an emotional connection with another human being. And so first recognizing it. Uh, the second is uh, some people have been so wounded, and, and I, I would fall in this camp, that it's good to talk to a good Christian therapist. Someone who specializes in deep wounds and trauma. Some of us have been so wounded that we need some help. And uh, here in my sixth decade of life, I'm I'm meeting with someone and it's helping a lot. Uh, why do I still have these patterns? 
another thing that people can do, though, is if you recognize enemy mode in you, then the one thing that guarantees or helps you escape enemy mode is, is the whole issue of attachment to another human being. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as a believer, I can, I can ask, Lord, I know there are people around me. Would you show me the people you want me to connect to? And it is risky. Relationships are risky. But staying relational and making it a relational connection to another human being is the beginning of the solution to enemy mode. Do we need to distance ourselves from people who are in enemy mode a lot when we're trying to change? Sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to draw boundaries. Uh, there, there might be people who uh, are just not healthy for us to be around. And, and that's a terrible, play, terrible way to live. But sometimes we need to say, you know, uh, I recognize the way you're talking to me right now. I, I just can't be, uh, we can't have this conversation right now or maybe ever. Hmm. And, hmm. and that's a tough one. And with holidays coming up, and some people have, uh, you know, grew up with uh, or are related to people in that mode, uh, how, what's the best way to handle the holiday? Well, I, I knew you're gonna. I knew that question was going to come <laughs> up because you're going to have a Thanksgiving meal, and there's this auntie or this uncle or this cousin who is so vocal about their opinion about politics or sports or whatever. The best thing you can do is stay relational. So you go into that engagement determined that you're going to keep your relational brain engaged and think of something you appreciate about that person. Thank God for that person. Because even though they might get on your last nerve when they talk (laughs) about, you know, uh, a football uh, outcome or about a political outcome. I mean, here it is, election day. Yeah. So there's going to be debates around the table. Yeah. But think, what do you appreciate about them? Uh, what are you thankful for about them? And, and think about that. Quiet yourself. And also realize, look, do you have to win that discussion with that person right now? Because if you have to win, you're in enemy mode also. So, so maybe you don't have to win. In fact, most of the time, you don't have to win. You know, just, just be relational. Thank God for them. Uh, stay appreciative of them. And then, you know, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I think there are a lot of proverbs. Change the subject. <laughs> there are a lot of proverbs yeah. that talk about that. Even a fool is considered wise when he keeps his mouth shut. Yes. There's exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Ray Woolridge is our guest here this morning. We have to let him go. Uh, Ray, thank you so much for being with us. Escaping Enemy Mode is the name of the book. Uh, Ray, would you come back uh, sometime and, and chat with us again? We had a good time. I'd, I'd love to do that. And, and tell your listeners, you, you can get this wherever books are sold. We have a website, escapingenemymode.com, and it explains more about the phenomenon. We've got a book club and a lot of resources there that would help people understand it better.